What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you haven't been rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack for the past, well, I don't know however long you've been doing your career, but if you haven't been rocking one, at least at some point in your fire career, well, you're doing it wrong and your back probably hurts. They make arguably the most comfortable, the most well-built, and have one of the best warranties in the damn game, period, end of story. So if you guys want to find out more, and uh, yeah, they don't just make fireline gear they make everything so if you want to find out more go over to www.mysteryranch.com where you can find not only the backbone series but you can find all the tools of the trade to get you up and down the hill peel a trophy elk off the hill go snowboarding go backpacking do whatever outdoors stuff you want to do like i said go over to www.mysteryranch.com and while you're at it since i mentioned the backbone series Check out one pack over there. Actually, two packs now. We've got the three-way briefcase, which would make a hell of a crew boss kit. It's pretty cool. It's in wildfire black. And that second pack I was talking about is called the Urban Assault 21. They're both in wildfire black. They got them with some uh, pretty bitchin' uh, patches on the outside of them. But the reason why they're so important is because a portion of the proceeds from those two packs go directly back to the Backbone Series Scholarship Fund. Yeah, so you guys uh, want your chance to win one of these $1,000 scholarships via Mystery Ranch Backbone Series, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor, and that's going to be none other than Hotshot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation, who, interestingly enough is on the next episode but not only that but this kevin conley episode we actually recorded on location post uh fundraiser and at the wildland firefighter foundation it's actually pretty sweet but aside from kick-ass coffee for the kick-ass cause that they so diligently support well they have all the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right not only coffee but if you need an aeropress or a camp cup or some of the uh, apparel to help rep that wildland firefighter lifestyle well go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check out the full i guess accoutrements that they have to offer yeah, we'll go with that. Sure. Anyways, if you guys want to find out more, like I said, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. And while you're at it, go check out uh, yours truly's uh, merch over there. If you want to get your hands on the uh, Band of Brothers tea or the Fire Fiend uh, tea, well, now's your chance. Go over there, check it out. It's awesome. And like I said, it's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause and much, much more. So once again, www.hotshotbrewing.com. Check them out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our buddy Booze over at The Ass Movement. And if you uh, haven't checked out The Ass Movement, well, it's a funny name, but it's serious about conservation and being true stewards of the land. And that acronym stands for the Anti-Surface Shitting Movement. Yes, I said it. Oh, no, he's talking about pooping in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any outdoorsman or outdoors woman definitely has had their time doing their business in the woods, but there's some people that aren't really educated about how to do that properly. And now that's where the ass movement steps in. It is kind of an educational and fundraising campaign to teach people how to take a dump in the woods. I don't know about you, but I absolutely freaking hate when I come across the uh, trail and uh, having to haphazardly come across a human turd gift wrapped in toilet paper. 
that shit is disgusting and it needs to stop. So if you want to do your part and help spread the word about burying your turds, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement where you can actually get all of your poo burying propaganda essentials. So stickers, patches, shirts, hats, posters, hell, even if you have a problem pooper on your crew, you can get a turd trowel. Yeah. Yeah, you can actually get a turd trowel to teach your uh, person on the crew how to bury their turds properly and never, ever shit in the black for for fuck's sake. (laughs) But anyways, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. And at checkout, you can enter the code anchorpointass10 for 10% off your entire purchase. So once again, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience, which is kind of a, I guess, misconception because they're not just sequestered to the United States anymore. They're actually a global affair, which is pretty damn awesome. Bethany has a kick-ass organization over there, and she's actually helping support those folks in the field with the Smoky Generation grants. Yeah, so if you happen to be telling the story of Wildland Fire, that's if you're a writer, a blogger, a photographer, a cinematographer, anybody who's telling the story of Wildland Fire, well, you have an opportunity to win one of these $500 Smoky Generation grants. It is awesome, and what it does is, and you should definitely check out the website over at www.wildfireexperience.org, and uh, yeah, it basically what it is, is a storytelling platform of wildland fire from around the world now, dating all the way back to the 1940s. It's pretty freaking awesome. So if you haven't uh, checked it out yet, definitely go check it out. Some stories from some very well respected folks in the field, whether that's leadership or your peers, doesn't matter if you're the first year or the GS fantastic, you have an opportunity to tell your story and win one of these grants. So once again, go over to www.com wildfireexperience.org and check it out. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization over there. Keep it up. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. So we just did a hell of a fundraiser up in Boise over at Payette Brewing with Kevin Conley celebrating his epic ride, his epic cross-country journey bicycle ride, raising money for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and raising some awareness for the mental health of wildland firefighters. It was a kick-ass fundraiser. Once again, thank you, Payette Brewery, and thank you, Kevin, for organizing that and uh yeah, letting us have our shenanigans there in Boise. But yeah, it was fun. He uh, ended up with a total of his ride and the fundraiser, raising about $15,000 and spreading one hell of a message about the importance of mental health. And uh, yeah, Burke was there. Uh, we auctioned off a bunch of stuff. We had some paintings from Jessica Shuey 
epic artist. We had a bunch of other stuff from the foundation and we got to meet up with a bunch of cool people while we we're there. And uh, actually shout out to Danny over there at Close the Gap Wellness. She made a guest appearance there and uh, yeah, it was fun just to tie in with everybody. But that's not what this is all about. I think that the uh, importance of this episode is the inspiration that uh, Kevin's journey provides for all those folks out there listening. Not only that, but and the immense amount of personal growth that Kevin has made as a person. Like from episode one, things were kind of rough. Episode two, he was getting into a stride. Now this one, Kevin's a completely changed man. And it is freaking awesome to see that turnaround in these short few months that he has completed this ride. Uh, I think his uh, story, you know, says a lot, not only about, you know, the importance of uh, mental health, but taking care of yourself and understanding that no one's really going to hold your hand. I mean, not even a therapist is going to hold your hand and fix your problems, quote unquote, but you have to have these tools in your toolbox to go out and fix these things yourself you play an integral role in your own mental health and that's what i find inspiring because this guy did exactly that so just to preface this episode we did do it a live role uh at the wildland firefighter foundation so if you hear some background noise that's actually people coming in you know checking stuff out and luckily no one was like hey oh what are you guys doing over here which is kind of cool thank you for everybody that stopped by while we were recording and uh keeping it keeping your excitement under control. I definitely appreciate it. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce for the third time, my good friend, Mr. Kevin Conley. Welcome to the Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point podcast. Today, we have Mr. Kevin Conley, bike rider extraordinaire and one hell of a fundraiser thrower. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was a big turnout the other night in Boise. That's uh, good shit, man. Yeah, we were celebrating my 3,500 mile ride, and it was just an honor and a humbling experience on on how many people came out and showed their support in Boise at Payette and raised a couple thousand dollars in in a couple hours and a great turnout. I was the firefighting community is just a community that's you can't tear apart. It's so tight knit and. uh just people that you never met all of a sudden it, you feel like you're with your best friend within oh, yeah. minutes. No, that's cool, man. It's definitely a very unique crowd. And I think that, you know, like last night or night before, uh, that goes to show you how tight that, that community is, man. Like people are just coming out in droves and even like the general public, like people that had like no clue what was going on. You like come over there and you're like, like, Hey, this is what we did. Kevin over here. He did his, bicycle ride across the goddamn country, which is pretty incredible. And they get interested and they're more than willing to support the community. And they have like, they're probably like desk jockeys, you know, it's kind of awesome right. to see that level of support. Yeah, it was, it was just touching some of the people I met there. Um, Cause you never, it's very rare in life that you actually get to understand the impact that you have on people. And I had a firefighter, uh, come up to me and tell me that he's been going through his own mental struggles for the last few years. And, uh, he really wasn't talking to anyone and he just bottled it all up. And he said, listening to my story and seeing what I was doing and, and reaching out and, and just talking about the fucking hell that I went through for a year helped him and it helped change his life where 
then he reached out and he talked to people and he got some help. But it's moments like that where you didn't know the effect that you had on someone and, and being able to help someone with what I was going through and then helping them with what they're going through. It's just such a privilege. And that's something that I learned um, because I felt so weak yeah, being a firefighter, you think you're like a badass and so tough and 10 feet tall and invincible. It's, yeah. It's like, I can't tell anyone I'm having a panic attack. I can't tell anyone I'm depressed. I'm just sit in this corner and drink, you know, and I've, gosh, I don't drink as, I don't drink one millionth of what I was drinking when I was going through this, you know, I still have some beers here and there, but it's just open my eyes to know that it's not weak. Everyone on this planet's going to go through struggles very hard. We're all going to lose close ones around us. We're all going to have times of depression and stress. And, and it's important that you just kind of let your walls down whenever you're ready and, you know, just start somewhere, start talking to someone. If it's a therapist, it's your best friend, just open the doors and try to make talking about mental illness and talking about the struggles we go through as, as humans, we need to make that more of a, a common place, like sitting in the living room. You know, we're all comfortable sitting there with our friends, drinking beer. We need to make the conversation of talking about mental illness, something we can do in the living room as well and not look at each other as weaker people, but stronger people for talking out about something. And we need to try to build each other up and something that helped me so much on this bike trip was the firefighters that supported me the entire route in every state. There was firefighters that came out and watched my dog for a few days or took me out to dinner. And, and those people <laughs> feeling all that love and support, which the firefighter community has was what helped me get over that big hump. I mean, it took me 1500 miles of riding to get rid of a lot of guilt and sadness and depression and, and just the crazy shit going on in my head. It took me 1500 miles of riding, but a huge part of that was the people that I met along the way that were supporting me and the things that they said to me and the messages I would get from random strangers on social media that were telling me the impact that I had on them. So it made me stronger. And then I wasn't afraid anymore to talk out about mental illness, whether it was on the news or in a social media post or in the newspaper. I lost all my fear of thinking it was weak. And I began to think it was strong to talk out about what I went through because I started to realize that that could have an effect, an impact on someone else's life in a positive way. So if I have to be a, a leader, for lack of better words, to help people open up, then that's what I'm going to continue to do. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. I mean, you had firsthand knowledge and experience interacting with all these folks that came to the fundraiser on a Saturday night there, man, you genuinely like I was over here and of course I'm playing my fly on the wall kind of <laughs> observer role there. Right. And uh, yeah, dude, overhearing some of the conversations you guys were having, it was incredible how many lives your story has changed. It was deep. And Brandon was not a fly on the wall. Brandon was out hustling raffle tickets and he was up on the microphone and Without Brandon's incredible help there, Burke Miner. 20 bucks is 20 um, bucks, man. <laughs> they, they, they're the the heroes of that night. I might have rode my bike pretty far, but they're the ones that fired up the crowd and raised a bunch of money. So Brandon was a big-ass fly on the wall if he's going to say that. 
But uh, no, it was amazing. It was amazing. There was a mother um, that came over to me, her son's on Lone Peak Hot Shots, and I talked to her for 30 minutes or so. And uh, her son just called her and called his mom. It was like, you got to go meet this guy. I'm, I'm out of town. I can't do it, but I want you to meet him so bad. Yeah. And that's why she came out. She donated, donated a bunch of money when she was there and had some really uh, deep conversations with people um, briefly and shook so many hands. And I mean, there was jumpers that came, hot shots, engine crews, people from the fire department. So it was an incredible turnout that we had there. It was very impressive and saw some old friends from Sn Snake River Hot Shots, which meant a lot that they came out. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, but, I saw a bunch of people in the Snake River, the Snake River hats running around. That was right. cool to see those guys. Yeah, that, that meant a lot to me. Um, it's just such a strong brotherhood. I mean, I made friends that night that will be my friends for the rest of my life. Oh yeah. You know, it's just amazing. And I'm just stoked. We raised um, a couple thousand dollars that night. That was awesome. And then I was, gosh, I was so touched when you guys gave me that award. That was all Burke, brother. Yeah, that <laughs> Burke. He's like, don't say shit to Kevin, man. I'm like, you got it, man. He's like, yeah, this plaque is showing me this fucking plaque. I'm like, dude, that's that's fucking sick. Yeah, that I almost like cried up on the stage because it was just such a, it was an honor to receive something like that. Just a humbling experience. Um, so that was touching, and now we're sitting in the uh, the Wildland Firefighter Foundation here in Boise. Oh yeah, and um when you were doing things a little earlier, I went around and I just looked at every picture. If you haven't been up here, it's a, uh, if you haven't visited the foundation and, and met the people that run this, they're just angels on earth. And when you walk around this room, it, it just, I mean, it, it's just sad how many firefighters we've lost and how young so many of them were and, you look at these pictures and every picture has a story and has a family behind it and friends behind it. And when I'm looking at the wall, it's like, it's so impactful. And that just backs up everything that I did when I, my first instinct, when I started riding my bike before I started the night before, when I called Burke, I knew I wanted to raise money for the foundation and it puts it in a whole nother perspective. Um, I was aware of what they do and I hear the stories and, you know, read about it. But when you step into this room, it really puts it into perspective on, you know, raising money for them and, and what they do. And it's hard work that they do. I couldn't imagine meeting these people's families and it's awesome that they're able to help them so, through such a terrible time. But I recommend if you're a firefighter or, or not visiting the foundation in Boise, Idaho, um, making a donation and looking at these pictures and, and taking your time to walk around the room and, and just read people's names and understand that there's so many people out there that wish they could hug that person one more time. And the foundation tries to make that, that pain a little lighter. And, uh, it's just fucking powerful being here. It, it touches your heart, touches your heart a lot. If you have a heart, <laughs> it's I mean, fucking deep. It's deep looking at this wall. Dude, if you come in this place and you see, I mean, obviously you can't see it from the camera's perspective here on this, but the only way I could describe it is we're in what? Probably a 10,000 square foot area right here. Just this area alone, maybe, 
might be a little overestimate, but call it 7,500 square feet. It's a large place and every wall in here from ceiling to just above the floor is just lined with the men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice in the line of duty and even off duty. And it doesn't matter. And that's another thing to about all these people on the walls, man, they all have their story to tell. And these pictures don't do it justice, man. Like I, this place is incredible. It's humbling. It's sad, but it's bittersweet all at the same time. And there's a lot of history on these walls. It's incredible. It's an incredible place. Yeah, it truly is. Wow, yeah, man. It's, it was powerful walking in here and Burke walking me around and giving me the tour. And yeah, it just, it makes me proud that we were able to raise a ton of money on my bike trip and some extra money on the, the fundraiser the other night. And I raised some money when I was back home and just makes me really proud of, of what I did for myself and for a greater purpose. Um, and this won't be the the last time I raised money for the foundation. It will just be the first time. <laughs> this is just the first. You did a hell of a job, man. I mean, what did that total come out to? I mean, I think the whole campaign during your your ride and after, I mean, by the way, the ender here coming back to Boise and doing the, the last hurrah, if you will, of ending the tour, the bike tour. Mm-hmm. Dude, what a hell of a place to like end the tour, if you will. Right. Dude, that's that's killer. I couldn't think of a better place for you for you to come up with that idea and actually spend the time to be here, do the fundraiser, and then not only that, but do the uh, the tell all the last episode of your bike bike ride here. Yeah, here the, at the foundation, man. It's this is cool. Perfect ending, right? Oh, absolutely. Per- perfect ending, perfect beginning. I'll just say perfect beginning. That's right. To something new, and also um, I think it's important. Every firefighter. Um, in the country should always, always be a part of the 52 club. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so I've been part of the 52 club for the last uh, five years, ever since I heard about it, my first rookie season fight and fire. So it doesn't cost, you know, it's 52 bucks. Yeah. So everyone in fire, you should pressure, you should pressure your whole crew Shame them, guilt them. to sign up. And every firefighting crew should have a whiteboard with who signed up next to their name. Cause that worked for snake river. I'll tell you what, everyone signed up when their name wasn't checked oh, yeah. off on that fucking whiteboard. So anything you can do to help the foundation, uh, angels on earth is, is just a term that comes to my head. Uh, there's, there's only so much you can do to help these people through a terrible time and they do their best. They do their best. That's for sure. Oh yeah. And it, you know, I mean, we always think of, I guess there's like a, a common misconception out there that, uh, you know, when we think about the Wildland Firefighter Foundation, we think about the injured and fallen, right? The people that are like in up Shit's Creek immediately, right? Right. But it's not just only that. It's the mental health services, the hardships, the guidance, all of it, dude. They they do it all. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Right. Yeah. The, all the, just the, all the different levels that they help people. I mean, another huge thing that they help people with is uh, getting therapy. They have a whole little part of their donations that go to helping people get therapy. Oh, yeah. So there's so many different avenues. They help firefighters beyond fatalities. Um, just, it's amazing. Yeah, dude, it's an incredible place. My, like I said, man, couldn't think of a better place to wrap this uh, three-part episode or three-episode 
show up on, dude. This is cool, man. Yeah, it is cool. It's a special place to do it. Yeah, I can't believe I rode my bike that fucking far. That's <laughs> it's not every day that someone just like wakes <laughs> up and be like, yeah, you know what sounds good today? I'm gonna ride my bike across the country. And that's how it happened. I know. It's fucking wild, man. I, it happened within minutes. I was like, I was such I was just in such a fucking dark place and um you know, my best friend, my girlfriend broke up with me and I'm going through hell and I thought about killing myself and I just knew that I had to just get out and I had to fucking do something. And when you go to a really dark place, there's only a few ways out and you got to, you know, pick yourself up and by the bootstraps and you got to go do something. And for me, it was riding my bike across the country and now I have different tools that I had when I started because it's not every, the next time I go through a struggle, struggle is guaranteed in life. It's how we overcome that struggle, how we power through it, how we get out of that valley. We have to become stronger through these struggles. And I've learned a lot of strength through the pain that I was going through because next time I go through a little bit of depression or a lot or whatever it is that happens to me next, I can't just roll over and go ride my bike 3000 miles. I need to learn, which I think I have, and that's never going to be perfect. Nothing um, ever is, man. That's just a part of life. But I, I got to learn now the next thing that happens, how am I going to cope with it? And for me, and I think for all humans, exercise is one of your greatest weapons, nature, getting out in nature. And one of the things that helped me so much on my bike ride and hiking helps so much and exercise. What helped me so much on my bike ride was I would be on a 70 mile section with no services. There'd be nothing for 70 miles. All right. There's a couple sections like that. And I got no phone service. I'm all by myself. All right. My dog doesn't talk. And <laughs> good old Rocky. Good old He's Rocky. Awesome, dude. And rad. so I'm going through, you know, in the first 1500 miles, I was still climbing, climbing out of this valley. And I remember being like in the middle of this 70 mile section and I'd have these just crazy thoughts in my head. I'd have anxiety and panic and I'd be depressed and sad or feeling guilty or frustrated. And there was nowhere to fucking run to. You're forced to confront all of it. I was forced to be in those feelings. And I think that's something that my mind knew when I started this bike trip that I didn't fully understand is I just wanted to escape. I just want, I knew I needed to escape, but I'd have to fight those demons and I'd have to process through them. I couldn't, Hey, Brandon, let's go get a beer, kick the shit and forget about it. Yeah. There was no escaping. I had to sit there and be there with that. And that was something powerful through the days that I would go through it and I would learn to cope through these feelings and I wouldn't run. And what was happening to me before when I would have these feelings, I would drink. Um, and it just got to a crazy place because I was drinking way too much. And, and that made it worse, especially when I was withdrawing off my medicine. Um, drinking didn't help that at all because it intensified my depression got worse. My anxiety got worse and all the things. And when I was allergic to the medicine, um, it just put me in such a dark place. And so I just had to fight day in and day out, riding my bike. Those I, I I'm writing a book and I'm 
I think I don't have the full title yet, but it's going to be called something like, uh, you know, pedaling to peace. Uh, firefighter title pedaling. I like it, man. That's, that's catchy. I like it. Yeah. I actually wanted to share, uh, part of my book. Yeah. Is man. this a good time to do that? Sure, dude. Yeah. Take it away. This is your show, man. This is, this is your floor, dude. Take it where you want. Well, honestly, my laptop's just about to break. So that would be, <laughs> you better back uh, that shit up. About I got to, some drive. You can about have to die. Drive. I mean, not break. Okay. I don't know why I said that. Um, but this is the, uh, it's just a page long. So I'm writing a book. Yeah. Something along the lines, maybe it's called safety zone pedaling to peace. A firefighter pedals through depression. I have a lot of working titles, but yeah, listen to this. I want to hear, I want to hear your feedback. This is sort of like, um, a synopsis, so to speak, uh, almost like something you'd read on the back of the book or like a prologue or prologue. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, here we go. <clears throat> Let me take a sip of water. No worries. And, uh, what I'm really pumped is I'm going to try to finish this book. Hey, hold on one second, dude. Hey guys. Uh, and for all you people that are listening, we are doing this uh, episode during a live, uh, open doors, uh, session here. So there are going to be some people in the background coming in and out of the wildland firefighter foundation. So just a heads up for everybody listening. Apologies, Kevin. Let's oh, hear good. your prologue, dude. Let's do this thing. Yeah. And so I'm going to write this book. I got an editor I'm working with and, uh, it's going to be about my mental health struggles that I went, went through, um, after wrapping up fire season in California and then just going through hell. Um, and talking a lot about my mental illness and the places that it took me and how deep and dangerous the medicines put me in a bad place. And then me overcoming my, my obstacles and, and becoming a stronger, better person. Um, and I'm going to, after I get the book published, um, hopefully by the end of the year, uh, do something where I'm raising, you know, 5% or, or something of profits will go to the wildland firefighter foundation. Oh yeah. So that will be another way that I can, help them. Um, all right. So here we go. As if I was a glass ball, fragile, tumbling down a mountain, clicking and crashing. But for some reason I did not break thundering down into the Valley of destruction. I hit every boulder, every tree, every obstacle. The animals watched briefly, quickly glancing the other way. As I rolled violently into the abyss, I cracked, but I did not shatter. It wasn't until the last foot I seized advancing into hell that I stopped. Only part of me melted away in that fire. And as it burned so fiercely, I understood as I can fall so freely down this mountain, I can also power on back up it. As I slowly remembered, how did I get up there to begin with? For the mountain was a part of me, and I was a part of it. Now it was time that I, I became the mountain. This is my story, a journey through human endurance, inner strength, and an evidentiary example that we can pick ourselves up from the darkest reaches of existence, the lowest and very painful, loneliest of valleys. <clears throat> and we can overcome, we can accomplish amazing things. I went through pain and suffering, depression and severe panic and anxiety attacks. I got to a place where I was ready and prepared to end it all. 
Then I remembered my father telling me as a child, almost as if he was in the room looking down at me as a boy. With his hand on my shoulder, he says, you never give up, son. You never give up. The tears erupted down my face. The loneliness overcame me. I was destroyed, but in a flash of nothingness, the sirens rang, the conductor blew his whistle. Instead of ending it all, it was time, instead, to start it all. I couldn't end this way. I knew it would be a long path, a long path out of this inhabitable place. But this place was only of my own mind's creation. I had to take power away from the demons in my head and challenge challenge my mental stability and make my mind sturdy again. As if I was fixing the masts and sails on a ship before crossing the mighty ocean. However, I was already lost at sea. So fixing my sails was out of reach and I had no tools. I needed to learn how to swim. And in my case, I needed to learn how to ride. My bicycle has been my weapon of choice for years now, trusty and true. As I drown in my sorrows, I spill my empty cup of empty energy. Lost, confused, sad, and lonely. The candle on the table flickers with its shadow casting on a map of the United States, right above my tried and unwavering steel frame bicycle. AWOL was the manufacturer's name for my bike, which means absent without official leave, but without intent to desert. Well, bingo. I was going to be absent. I was fixing to be long gone. I was going to leave this grime mindset. I didn't have anyone to officially notify, but I sure was intending to desert, to desert these murky waters, this formidable place for good. And that map, that map was my journey home, my journey to get my mind right, my journey back to life. I decided within minutes that I would ride my bicycle across the entire country coast to coast, Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic, 3,500 miles. Can you repeat that number? 3,500 miles. On October 29th, 2021, my puppy Rocky and I set off on this long ride, this long ride to peace. After 1,500 miles of riding, grinding, pushing, fighting my monsters, I emerged from the womb, seeing the light for the first time. I was reborn and captivated with the feeling of being alive, surrendering to the moment and smiling with the sunset and embracing who I was. I was forever lost, but now I knew where lost was. For the valley was my friend and the mountain that I crashed down upon its feet. I had learned that that mountain was me. Now I look over the valley with an understanding of how truly, of how low it truly is. But today, I can sit up high, free of my pain and my suffering, and I know it is all going to be all right. It's all going to be okay. That's a hell of a start, dude. I love it, man. Yeah, I was pretty excited with how that came out. Yeah, dude. And you were taking notes the entire time you were telling me about this. And like when we last talked, you were Pensacola? No, you were just about to finish your ride, right? It was Pensacola. It was Pensacola. In Florida. Last 500 miles. Yeah. And between that first episode and the second episode, dude, like you just said in your prologue there, like it's a night and fucking day difference. The, the, the person that you have become, the person that you've changed into from even now to then. And it's like this, this continual 
I guess, graduation into doing better. And you did it pretty much all on your own. Yeah, it was a, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to look back at where I was, how just dangerous of a place I was in. And I was just trapped in my own head. And for almost a year, I thought I was going to die every day. I just knew it. And then it got to a point where uh, I did want to fucking die. And to think that I just said, fuck this. I'm not going to go down like this. I'm going to go book a train ticket to San Francisco. And I just started riding my bike and, and, you know, it took a, a lot of riding, you know, it wasn't overnight. I started feeling better. It took 1500 miles was really the, the breaking point when I was coming into Alpine, Texas. Um, I just remember the emotions coming over me and the, the beautiful mountains and the amazing sunset. And I just felt like I bursted through some fucking wall and, that's when I really started to feel better. And then the rest of the trip, I'm not saying I never had struggles or never had a, a day, you know, there were still moments that were, that were different than, than the best. And there's times, especially when you get a little lonely riding your bicycle that far across the country and it, and you're in the middle of nowhere too. That's another thing. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah. You're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, and then it meant the world to me when my father came out for, that was cool, dude. 10 days. That was just, that was so, I mean, he's like my best friend. He's my dad. He's my role model. He's my hero. Um, you know, he played such an important part of uh, raising me and, and the charity work we did since I was a child together with my mother and him. They just raised me so well. And, you know, I went a, a different way for, for a lot of years, but all those bad years, we became best friends um, as I started becoming a man. And, uh, he was out there for 10 days, uh, roughly a thousand miles of me riding just the best support team in the, in the world. Um, and then when he left, it was, I just loved having him there, even though we didn't get along every, you know, every minute of the trip. Um, he's my best friend and it was so cool. Like going out to dinner every night with my dad and knowing, you know, a lightning storm hits and knowing I could just hop in the car for 30 minutes and you know, miss the brunt of the storm and seek some shelter. Yeah. Having, yeah. having that support was just so awesome. And it was my dad. And how cool is that to share the biggest trip of my lifetime? And then, and my role model, my superhero is a part of it. And then when he left, I don't know, it's just like, I just, I missed him a lot. And then the end of the trip sort of, I don't know, I did become a, a little lonely, but I think that helped make me stronger because again, I was, I was proud of myself when I was riding those last 500 miles and, you know, being on a hotshot crew for a couple of years and, and fighting fire for the last few years. Um, and when I was raising money for the wildland firefighter foundation, I, I knew there was only one way I was going to ride my bike and that was fucking strong. And I was going to ride big miles. Um, so yeah, when I was coming into the last 400 miles, I did back to back to back century rides and, I did 110 miles my my last big day into Gainesville, Florida, and that laid me up to just have a like a 60 and then a 27 mile day into a, a nice leisurely cruise, a leisurely cruise into St. Augustine, which was 
unreal, but no, this, this bike journey saved my life, uh, changed my life. I, I was able to process so many things that I went through and I'm now able to calm myself down and I'm able to find, I have a lot of peace in my heart right now and I have a lot of clarity from this ride. I'm, I'm really proud of what I did. I'm happy about it. I'm proud that I raised money for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. It was an honor to ride, ride with them and uh, just raising awareness about mental illness and, and letting people know that they're, they're not alone and uh, it takes a lot of strength to speak out about the things you're going through um, and never think they're too bad or they're too light. Um, I mean, talk about your good days, but it's okay to talk about your bad days too. And I hope that everyone in, you know, in the world, but you know, in the firefighting community knows that there's people you can reach out to, you can call the foundation and they can help you um, if you need to seek therapy um, my Instagram's backcountry ninjas. My name's Kevin Conley and anyone that's going through a rough time, um, I've been there and, uh, my ears are always open. Um, and if you just need someone to, to listen, I'm there to do that. Um, and I'm there to give any advice that I, I, that I could possibly give to help out any of my brothers and sisters. Um, and I know Brandon shares that as well. So I just want people to know not to be afraid to speak out and we're all going to go through terrible times and there's, there's different avenues where you can seek help. And, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking to people very close to you, then, you know, therapy is a, a great option. Um, I, I, I speak to my therapist, uh, once every week, once every couple of weeks. And even though I feel great now, it's just nice to have someone that agrees with everything I fucking say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's important to have a therapist though too, man, because it's like, it's like an impartial view, right? Right. Like they don't aren't necessarily going to, I mean, you're being facetious there. They're not necessarily going to agree with everything you say, right? right, right. but you know, it's kind of nice to have someone who uh, doesn't know you per se. Mm-hmm. It's a third party, just like non-judgmental. It's just you and them. I think it's huge, man. I fuck my life's all right. And I still have a therapist, but it's good to like, front load that stuff right it's right it's it's good to get that shit out of the way before it comes a problem right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least that's my my opinion on it yeah i wish that i talked to someone a long time ago and one of the things for shit, me was it, man. gosh i had high blood pressure runs in my family my dad has heart disease and i think that's part of what led to my severe uh debilitating panic and anxiety attacks and um I wish I would have got my blood pressure treated years ago because um, my blood pressure was just through the roof and my body literally was shutting down. Um, it's just so scary when all the things that interest you and everything you love doing, you just stop. And depression is such a, such a lonely fucking place to be. Oh yeah. And there's no one, no one's going to be able to tell you if you're going to get out of it next month or in six months or in uh, two years or whatever it is, but you have to start somewhere and you have to start uh, building your bricks and, and getting, uh, you know, climbing up that mountain. Um, and it takes time. It takes time. And for me, it was riding my bike, but there's so many different avenues that you can help yourself. And the first step is, is talking about it. 
And that works for most struggles in life. You got to open up about it, um, which is difficult to do. When you got a drinking problem, it's hard to say, I have a fucking drinking problem. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're having suicidal ideations, it's hard to say, you know, some days I want to kill myself, you know, and I hope that through my journey and through speaking out about how dark of a place I went through that people will um, have the courage to speak out and, and seek help or, and just start somewhere. Go for a long bike ride, go for a long hike, go to the gym for an extra hour, push yourself, do things that build your confidence. Um, go hand out food to homeless people or buy someone a new tent or sleeping bag, help others. And I found great joy in when I'm not feeling the best myself, I help others and, and something about it helps me feel better. Um, I do a lot of homeless work. And sometimes when I'm having a rough day, I just go down to Walmart and grab a couple of sleeping bags and go to McDonald's and grab 10 cheeseburgers and, you know, walk around and meet a few homeless people and give them some warm food and look them in the eye and give them a hug and, and you know, tell them I'm going to say a prayer for them. And in turn, that's always made me feel a little bit, a little bit better. I think giving back is an important avenue to go when you're not feeling the best yourself. Um, do some volunteer work or do something for your community. And, and you got to start building confidence to get out of that, that dark place. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Oh yeah. Especially you know, doing something bigger than yourself or then challenging your own body, pushing yourself beyond your own limits. That's like, I mean, shit, fucking David Goggins does that shit all the time, man. And in fact, he reached out to you. Yeah, what a badass. <laughs> so rad, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the same concepts apply. I mean, I'm not saying that like it's for everybody to obviously ride their bicycle across the country. It may not be for everybody, but that physicality thing, man, it's important. I mean, it literally gets you high, but it gets you high in a good way. You know, those endorphins that come out of strenuous exercise or doing something charitable that's bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is no other drug in the world. There's no other medication. There is no other substance in the world that'll match that feeling. 100%. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, there's just, gosh, we could talk for fucking days about mental health. Would I, something that I really learned on my bike trip, um, my dad said it was a little too far to call a, a bike ride. <laughs> Cause I'll tell, I just say like, yeah, I went for a, a little bike ride. <laughs> but yeah, you rode your bike across the fucking country, dude. Let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's still unreal to me. Like, but something that I really learned was to keep my mind in a happy place, we can call it, is I need to have goals and I need to have a purpose. So after I finished my uh, bike trip, I started writing this book. And so I have a purpose and my purpose is to write a story about what I went through and how I um, came out of that place. And I want to write a story that uh, not only like a self-help book, but an inspirational book. And I want to write it about my journey and how the firefighter community came together and how fucking awesome America is and how great the people are of all cultures, of all races, genders, the poor, the rich, how awesome Americans are and, uh, and firefighters. And I think this is an important story to tell. And so that's my journey right now. And that's my, my new purpose is I want to write this book and I want to help people. And after that, I would like to, um, go places and, and do speeches, do inspirational speeches and, and just give people hope and let them know they're not alone. And, 
that we can do amazing things. I didn't train for this fucking bike ride. So you don't need to, I recommend training if you're going to do something crazy. <laughs> It'll probably make it a lot easier, but I did three century rides in my first seven days right off the couch. I went from uh, drinking all the time and being depressed and sad. And I went from that, not hiking, not running, not feeling good. And just started riding my bike across the country. And I built strength throughout the way. And I found clarity throughout the way. Um, so now my new purpose is writing this book. And uh, I'm back in the gym and running and and just trying to become a stronger uh, person. And I think that's important for us. Um, I know after fire season, when I started having, you know, these feelings overcome me, it was like, I think it happens to us after fire season is all of a sudden it's dark, it's winter, uh, sun goes down at four o'clock. A hundred miles an hour, one direction to slamming that car into reverse mentality. Yeah. You're just, you know, everyone says bye, you know, and you all go in separate different directions and you're alone again. And something that helped me in previous seasons was the training, you know, it's year round training. So I would work my ass off training in the winter and that would keep me motivated until the next season. But it's just, yeah, it's exactly what you said. You're going hundred miles an hour, you're flying in helicopters and you're, it's intense and you got camaraderie and lighting shit on fire. Yeah. You're blowing shit up and you're (laughs) protecting land and you're helping people and you're saving neighborhoods or a cabin in the woods and you save some giant tree and you're so happy. And there's just something so special and electrifying to fire season. Um, it's a very humbling, rewarding job. You're chasing a high though at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, it's, and you're with your brothers and sisters and I need MRAs forever. It's such a, it's just a great fucking job. And, uh, then it's just gone. Oh yeah. It's like someone just decides to come over and rip that bandaid off all at once. Right. So yeah. So, yeah. Pulling the hair and shit off with it, you know? Right. And we, that's another thing that kind of like concerns me about the community. And I think that's why I find your story so inspiring is because you found solace in your training, your bike ride and overcoming your struggles. Right. Yes. And I think that the biggest, most powerful message out of that whole thing is that you're inspiring others. I mean, we shit, we saw it firsthand with like, we, we sat around by my truck in the parking lot after the fundraiser, after we tore down all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. And these guys were, they didn't even know each other. They were just there because they want to say thank you for inspiring them, man. And I think that's like a huge value. Your story is inspiring people saying that they're not alone, that it's okay to talk about this shit. And then when that bandaid gets inevitably ripped off, hair, scab, all that stuff included from the mm-hmm. fire season, you're in that dark place in the winter, that there are avenues out there. Don't fucking stop. Keep right. going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. That was a touching moment. Uh, Afterwards, we all circled up and I told this story that the Apache story on uh, one of the other podcasts, but uh, I told that story. And yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite stories is the Apaches just, uh, they're just incredible watch, uh, riding my bike through sacred land. And then just all the gifts they gave to me when I was there and giving me an arrowhead and singing me that song in Apache and the drum circle. And there was just these moments on this trip that you, you, (laughs) there was everything happened just perfectly on my trip. Uh, you couldn't make this shit up. I had miracles that would happen all of the time. And, uh, 
it was just beautiful watching the people that that helped me and they were touched by my story and some of the messages that I got from complete strangers about how it was inspiring them. And I had a few people say that, uh, speaking out about my, my mental health issues saved their life. And, uh, you never know the impact you're going to have on people. Um, so that's why you always got to try. You always got to try to help others because sometimes it's one sentence. Sometimes it's just a word or sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's just someone knowing that you're there as a friend. Shit. Sometimes it's just even showing up. Exactly. Like you ne- you never know. Yeah. So just, you should always try to be your best. Um, be nice to f- just be fucking nice to people. Oh shit. Right. Right. Don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. <laughs> Rule number one for life. Don't be a don't dick. Be a dick. <laughs> don't, don't be a dick. Yeah. Just be kind. Um, Cause there's just people that, that you'll meet. Um, I try to give strangers hugs all the time, a little differently with COVID going on. But uh, yeah, there's been plenty of times where, uh, I mean, I remember last summer uh, being up on the Oregon coast and pulled over on the side of the road, just looking at the ocean. And there was a, a older lady there and Rocky ran up to her and she, I could just sense that she was going through something. I don't know. Sometimes you just get that feeling and, I went over and I said, I think you could really use a hug. And, uh, she said I could, and and she kind of teared up and I gave her a nice long hug. And she said, you don't know how much that means to me. My, uh, my husband just died a week ago and I'm just trying to find some peace out on the, on the coast. And we talked for a little bit and you just never know that everyone needs a hug, Yeah, but you never know what someone's going through. And you know, you can, we walk by people all the, all the time in our lives and, you know, Hey, how are you? But we're not really asking how you doing. You know, it's, uh, important that we reach out to our, not only our families and, and friends, but you see someone going down the street or, you know, we're not always in a rush in life. We can stop for a second and say, Hey, do you need to talk? You know, don't be afraid of, of strangers. Cause all your friends used to be strangers at one point too. Absolutely, damn lootly, man. That's another thing too. I think it's like, it's one of these things we have. We're, we're, we live in a society that's filled with distractions, right? We got our fucking phones. We got, you're probably listening to this podcast. That's kind of a distraction unless you're generally interested in it, but <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not interested in me. You're, we're interested in Kevin because this is some pretty incredible shit. However, we live in a world of distractions, right? And I think that uh, we tend to lose touch with our human intuition, like if you were to go to like a concert or walk down the street and you're to just be really observant of people around you kind of feel like what their energy is. Mm-hmm. And this might be getting into the woo woo kind of realm of things, but you can fucking tell when somebody's going through some rough shit, they're mad, no they're doubt. sad, they're happy, they're elated, they're whatever emotion human beings have the ability to pick up on that shit and showing compassion to complete strangers I think that's something that the world is lacking. So yeah, dude, your advice right there with like showing compassion and just giving a fucking hug to a complete stranger. Like you said, man, the best of friends were strangers at one time. Yeah, no doubt. Something that we're missing in our society, man. Yeah. And especially with this, I don't want to talk about COVID, but what's the the fear that revolves around COVID is just fear in general. People aren't giving hugs to you know, their grandmother, Yeah. you know, and some of it makes sense. You know, of course you don't want your grandmother to get sick, but like people aren't shaking hands and people are, 
you know, it, we still need to take care of each other. That guy on the, the corner, that Vietnam vet that's homeless out there, he still wants someone to say hi and maybe, you know, help him get some food for the day. Yeah. You know, there's still these struggles going on and, you know, be safe or whatever makes you feel safe with COVID, but don't, don't be afraid to give someone a hug and tell them you love them and, and check in on people. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird, the human contact that we're losing, but, uh, Oh yeah. We're completely reliant on it too, as a society, you know, I mean, it's, we're an inherently tribal organism, right? Right. Yeah. We, we rely on human connection and when we start to lose that or I guess, strike it out from our interactions with each other, I mean, it becomes more standoffish. It becomes weird. It becomes, you, you can't get a feel of, of people. It's, it's different. We live in different times. Right. Right. Which hopefully will, hopefully will go away. And I mean, Jesus, man, I'm over it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so over COVID. Yeah. Boise is pretty, I mean, no one asked me to wear a mask here. Um, Utah's pretty laid back about it. Yeah. Um, So you can definitely see changes in in certain different places around the country. And on my bike trip, it was fucking awesome because I was in the South. Yeah. No one uh, gave a shit. No. You ride your bike through Texas. I don't think I saw one person wear a mask in Texas, <laughs> like bars and everywhere you went, restaurants and us, you, you didn't even know COVID was a thing. Yeah. There were signs I saw on, on restaurants that said, we prefer you don't wear a mask. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing though. It's like the personal accountability portion of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to get into like the politics because we all know that everything's politicized. It doesn't matter if like, it's is the sky or blue or is it fucking blue? Well, he said it's blue, but he said it's this different shade of blue. And this is why you're right. wrong. You know, we politicize everything and it tends to be just a, a topic of argument, right? Mm-hmm. This whole mass thing, man. I mean, whatever happened to personal accountability? Like if you want to wear a mask, by all means, wear one. I choose to wear a mask. Some places where it's not required. Eh, well, I don't wear it. Did I choose to get vaccinated and all that stuff? I did. Yeah. Did I still get COVID? Yes. It was so nice. I got it fucking twice, even with a full vaccination. <laughs> twice. <laughs> so yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, the masks, yeah, they do some, provide some protection, but I mean, you know what the biggest culprit is? This is your number one vector for disease right, right here. Cause you touch all the bunch of shit and then you reach in your pocket, grab your phone and you stick it right to your fucking face. Yeah, all over. Yeah. That's a larger discussion, of course, but I mean, yeah, it's it's freedom. It's what freedom. it comes down to. And I'll wear yeah. a mask at a hospital. I don't want to spread it. You know, yeah, I, I don't want to give this shit to my grandma. Yeah, never. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent. I'm. Just, it's but this is the United States, and we we're built upon freedom. So uh, I don't, we should get into this. But yeah. I love everyone. All right, I don't care which way you vote, but uh, don't take our guns. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it's crazy that uh, they say you should wear a mask when you're fucking outside running and you're five miles away from everyone. I don't understand that. And that's the shit that I'm getting at with this conversation. Right. It's like, you know, I mean, take a restaurant, for instance. It's like, oh, you walk five feet from the uh, entrance with your mask on. You sit down. Right. Your sneeze is ineffective now. Yeah. It's like, it, it, there's just so much going on with it. And I'm not saying I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm not saying I'm an anti-masker. I am saying that a lot of this shit doesn't make sense, but also take into account what you want to take out of this whole thing. Like if you want to wear a mask, cool. If you want, you don't, well, whatever, you know, the risks, right? Right. Same yeah. thing with vaccines. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Sorry. Tangent. Oh, no, it's all right. Uh, I did want to say, 
Um, so from the last time we spoke, I was in Pensacola. So I was in Florida, Yeah, which was unreal. Pensacola, when, it, when I hit there, you know, it's the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, it's still the Pacific Ocean, uh, whatever you want to call it. But leaving Pensacola, when I got to uh, Milton, that would be the last time I'd see the ocean until I got to St. Augustine, Florida, which was about 400 miles um, from there. And so that was unreal, like just looking back at it and being like, the next time I see the ocean will be the end. And I got some incredible support um, starting in New Orleans. I got support the entire route, but from New Orleans to Florida was incredible. Um, There's a, a helicopter manager named Matt that uh, drove hours to come pick up Rocky and no shit. help me out. Um, super cool guy. And we went out for breakfast. And then another lady named, uh, his name was Michael from Lafayette, um, helicopter manager somewhere in the forest up there. And then another firefighter, Stacy, picked up the dog from him and she drove hours to go get him. And then hours back to meet up with another guy named Joe Z. Joe Z was a, a Florida Forest Service uh, guy. And then Joe Z had the dog for a few days. And uh, he had to do the pack test the week that he had Rocky. Oh, shit. So Rocky, my puppy, actually did the pack test. With <laughs> I like in, in yeah. three miles. Yeah, nice, I thought dude. that was fucking awesome. And then, and then he hands the dog off to this guy named Don, another firefighter that happens to be driving through Gainesville for um, the holidays because we're coming into uh, Christmas time. And so he drives the dog another five hours from Milton all the way across the state. Um, to drop them off. And then I had them, uh, the last uh, few days of the ride. So these firefighters just, uh, the forest service in Florida was incredible. And there was, um, I, I hate if I'm missing anyone. Um, Don Z, Joe Z, Stacy and Michael were incredible support down there. Um, so the forest service, uh, BLM and, and firefighters from all over the country. I, uh, but thank you from the bottom of my heart. It was incredible. All the people that helped me out. Um, and then the deputy chief, um, Sean Gallagher came out and, uh, rode the last 27 miles with me. That shit was cool, man. That Watching was that whole thing. Badass. That was cool, dude. That was, uh, that last morning was such a bitter, bittersweet. Um, gosh, the night before felt like the night before Christmas when you're a little kid, like about to wake up I and was, go open wrap and yeah. some, unwrap some presents. I was so pumped, but it was also this like, gosh, this bittersweet. It was like for so long, it was so far away. And I was just, I lived in the moment, which is difficult for us to do is to stay in the moment. Um, on big trips like these, it's a lot easier to stay in the moment because when I'm facing 3000 miles, it would drive you fucking insane if you were like, holy cow, do I have a long way to go? And for some reason, my mind knew I needed to focus on myself and my mind knew I needed to stay in the moment because it was such a giant task. Yeah. So I was looking at where I was going to get lunch or where I was going to camp for the night. But for the most part, I was just right there, right then. And then... uh just super present with the whole thing. Oh, the whole trip. I was so present because I was fighting these demons for so long. And then after I fought those on a daily basis and I felt great, I was just so happy to be alive and to be out there. And, and it just all the people around me every day, the strangers I would meet, I'd have these inspiring moments that just like life was just 
like a dream. And I, I made this happen. Um, and I'm like living in this story that's so remarkable and I'm just riding my bike across the country and all these people, it was just incredible. And coming to the end, I was like, gosh, I just, I don't want it to end, but I was, I was ready for it to end. My last 112 mile day into Gainesville, my, don't get me wrong. My legs are incredibly strong, but I was also cheeseburger at the same time. I was ready to <laughs> fucking be done. And it was so cool. That last day we had, uh, uh, Sean Gallagher rode the last 27 miles with me. His wife dropped him off at the, the hotel and I'm towing Rocky. So I still got 175 pounds of gear that I'm towing plus my body weight. And at that point I've ridden 3,400 and you know, 60 miles, whatever it is. And I'm just like, I'm so strong in 27 miles. That's like the easiest bike ride at that point. Yeah. After I did, you know, 15, 16, hundred mile days. It's like a drop in the bucket at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to finish so strong. I'm going to ride the strongest that I rode, which was funny because I'd say for the last 2000 miles, almost every day, I'd be like, this was my strongest day. And then the next day I would do, you know, 80, 90 miles. This is my strongest. <laughs> I've never felt like this. And in like the last 1500 miles, I would get this incredible second wind, which would happen every day. It was like clockwork right around like an hour before the sunset. I would get this incredible strength and I would stand up. They call it getting out of the saddle. Uh, the saddles, the bike seat. I would pop out of the saddle and I would stand up on my bike for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half and just like ride like just a rage fucking pedal. machine. Yeah. I was like, I felt like I was the fucking wind. Like I was so strong and it didn't depend if I had a headwind, a tailwind, a sidewind. I was, I just became so powerful in that last 27 miles. Um, Sean Gallagher uh, said that that was one of the strongest things he's ever seen a human do. <laughs> he was like, I can't believe you towing that weight. Cause I almost stood up the whole time. Yeah. And he was behind me with a GoPro. And uh, I think, I think sometimes it made him a little nervous because I do some things on a bike for what I think is safe, um, taking the road and getting into traffic. And, uh, <laughs> I think a couple of times he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's kind of just how I roll. It's like, well, I don't want to get hit by a truck. So instead of, you know, leaving this two inch shoulder, I'm just going to take the lane for, you know, this hundred feet or, you know, short section. Yeah. Um, and I'll only do that on flatter, uh, downhill where I could keep up. I'm not the asshole going uphill. Um, you're not that dickhead that's like taking up half the lane in Portland. Right. Yeah. No, Thanks, I, fixie guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never, I never try to do that. Um, no. but when it comes to safety, there's certain times when, when there's an 18 wheeler coming from both directions and I know the 18 wheeler is going to try to squeeze through instead of slow down, then I'll just pop in front of him and he has to slow down until that other truck passes. And I don't want to fucking die. So if it holds you up for five seconds, then I do. I don't care. Yeah. You can, you'll make it for five right. minutes. I'm sorry, man. Right. Yeah. And shit, we almost died. Uh, I don't want to say almost died. We had a very close call the second to last day. We were riding on a road with a, not much of a shoulder and uh, Rocky on his bike trailer, the wheel came off and rolled across the road. Oh shit. And his trailer kind of slid out into traffic. 
luckily at that perfect moment, the wheel like misses two cars, which would have ended. I don't know how I would have ended because I couldn't tow him without a wheel. wheel. Yeah. You would have been stuck right and where I you were. Quickly throw the bike and drag his trailer out of traffic. And it was like, and then I'm just lucky a car wasn't coming because they would have smashed into the back of us. Yeah. Um, well, with that much weight, just dead waiting right on top of oh, the road, dude, you stopped. just stop immediately. Right. And cars were going 60, 65 miles an hour. Yeah. And I just, what the, was, what the hell happened to hub? Just like coming undone or something. There was something with the mechanics on my trailer. Um, that they wouldn't lock properly. Huh? And so it, I'd have to tighten it. So the last day, um, after that happened, I, cause I, I had to tighten it a ton of times cause I knew it was loose, but it never was that loose. Yeah. And then the last three days, um, especially the last day I had to stop maybe every, I'd say five miles and tighten it down cause it was about to fall out again. Yeah. So I had to I barely kind of made it, you know, I would have welded it on there if I had further to go or Loctite or something like that. Yeah. Done something. something. Yeah. But no, it was, it was, that was scary. Well, I mean, this thing has been road hard and put back wet. I mean, you put oh, yeah. 3,500 miles on this trailer. Oh yeah. I can't imagine that it's in I was tough on it. tip top condition, you know? Right. Exactly. But yeah, that last, that last ride and, uh, Brandon here, uh, talked to the fire department. Um, I that, pulled a fast one on you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon really made that, that last day super special. Uh, he got a hold of a lady named Abby down there at the St. Augustine fire department. And when I was coming in the last, uh, few miles, uh, we had a brush truck. So we had a forest service, uh, type six engine that rode behind, uh, Sean and I, and he, he was videotaping it. And, uh, I, uh, he asked his two guys if they could pick me up an American flag. And then with about a mile left, he holds back, he gets the American flag out of the truck and it's a cool video of him coming up and he hands it to me. And as I'm coming up to the, the finish line, you finish at, uh, a bridge and just beautiful down in St. Augustine. It's such a, uh, the oldest, um, ongoing town and in the United States. It's got a lot of history to it and it's beautiful stonework and, and architecture. And I'm coming up and, uh, Sean goes, Hey, I think those, are, those are for you. And, and there's, uh, two or three fire trucks and there's a police car and they all got their lights on and there's people with signs. Congratulations, Kevin and Rocky 3,500 miles. And there's gotta be a crowd of 30, 30 something people and a bunch of fire. The whole St. Augustine fire department was there. That's so badass, um, dude. And so they got their uniform, they're on duty. So they got their trucks and they got their walkie talkies and, and they're all holding up signs. And, uh, Abby brought out a bottle of champagne, which was awesome. And, and I'm coming through the finish line. It was just this perfect, I felt like it was such a perfect, uh, American moment because I'm waving this American flag and <laughs> I got the, the picture of this. You sent me too. It's so badass. And there's these, all the fire trucks and the, there's all these just random people that were like, what's going on? Yeah. And, uh, there's some people got some cool footage. There was a, a lady that was, uh, had her, her son and they were just going down to the beach and they saw all the fire trucks. And she said, I want to go, uh, meet some of the firefighters with my kid, you know, like a five, six year old kid. Yeah. And she, she asked what they were doing there. And, uh, she said it brought her to tears that she was able to witness such a amazing moment. And I had these, I don't know, maybe four or five strangers come up and just give me a hug. 
and to tell me how powerful it was and, and how proud they were. And, oh, it was an awesome, awesome moment. And, uh, the duo team that, uh, I met a couple of times, Simon and Danielle. Oh, the people uh, riding the tandem bike? Riding the tandem bike. They, That's pretty wild. They dude. finished the same day too. Um, and they're just really, really good people. And, uh, so they stood back. They didn't want to take any of my, uh, my shine or thunder away, whatever you want to call it. Um, but what was really special after that day and, you know, I made sure to walk around and, and shake everyone's hand and, and thank them for their service and, and how much it meant for them to come out and, and support me and, and celebrate that, that very powerful moment, uh, ending on my bike and Abby was awesome. And all those firefighters, it just, it meant the world to me. They were there and I wanted to sort of end the bicycle ride full circle. And our first night out of San Francisco, Rocky and I camped on the beach. So it was important to me that our last night when we got to St. Augustine, we were going to go camp on the beach. Yeah. And, you know, of course I wanted to shower and, and all that stuff, but there was just some sentiment to it. So, uh, Rocky and I, and, and then the, uh, duo, uh, team on the tandem bike, uh, we all camped on the beach that night, had a big fire and reminisced about our, our, uh, different journeys and, and all that, and just had an awesome night under the stars and on the beach. And of course we jumped in the, the ocean right away. So all three of us were jumping in the ocean. The funny thing was <laughs> it's gotta be so cold in the Atlantic oh, ocean. <laughs> middle I, of winter. It was surprisingly not that bad. It wasn't bad, huh? Uh, nothing like the Pacific, but I, it just had to be done. You know, it had to be done. And, and me and Simon just right away, rip our clothes off. We, we have bathing suits on and, uh, we're running, just running full throttle and, uh, yelling and hooting and hollering. And what I didn't realize, my friend's videotaping this, and I didn't realize it till we get out to the ocean. Rocky is so loyal. So we're running and there's decent sized waves. There's a storm coming in. Yeah. Um, so it rained the next two days. <laughs> These waves are pretty big and we, we dive through and, and we're swimming out into the ocean, you know. And I didn't notice that Rocky was right behind me. Oh, shit. And so you see this video and these huge waves are crashing and he's swimming over them. It was, and then all of a sudden, um, I look over and I'm like, is that Rocky? It's just, he swam out, follow me in the ocean. Oh, shit. That's loyalty right there. And I went over and grabbed him and helped him, helped him get out of there. But it was just such a special ending. And, uh, I don't think it hit me, uh, Gosh, sometimes I don't even know if it hit me, um, how far I rode and raising money for the foundation and raising awareness about mental health and, and just the full circle, um, where I came from and where I got to at the end, the clarity and, and the strength and all the things I fought through and the, the better man I came out on the other end. And, and I really just, I, I set out to do a few things and, and I accomplished those and, yeah, maybe a week or so after I couldn't walk, I started to realize I rode my bike really far. <laughs> it's uh, now starting to catch up to you, the abuse yeah. on your legs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, what was really funny was when I got back to Salt Lake City, um, I didn't remember writing this down, but I had a, uh, a calendar and on the calendar, I wrote my start date, which was October 29th. And for some reason on the calendar, I did like arrows through of, um, all in November and some of December saying bike tour, bike tour, bike tour. And I ended my last arrow on December 19th, my mom's birthday. And that's exactly when I finished. That's so bad. December badass. 19th. And I'm like, 
how did my mind, it's like my mind knew that before I even stepped foot in San Francisco and started. Yeah. It was unreal. And I remember the first, uh, I called my dad. Well, me and my dad talked every day of the trip, uh, 52 days, uh, 47 days of riding, which equals, uh, an average of 74 miles a day actively riding, which is badass. And, uh, <laughs> I can say that, um, I remember calling my dad that first day and I'm towing Rocky up some big hills out of San Francisco. And I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm going to make it home before Christmas. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. You just started. I mean, the, the, then the, the mileage day. like starts like becoming daunting, you know? Right. I was, well, yeah. it was the way it was towing him um, that I was like, there's no way. And then that's when everything came together. That's when, uh, my dad's friend, Alan Haynes, uh, took Rocky for, uh, four or five days. And I, I did hundred mile days every day. Um, he had them, you know, 90 to hundred mile days. Yeah. I was taking advantage of not having them. And then firefighters out of the blue, um, would come together. You know, people were share, talking about it, sharing it on social media and, and firefighters would contact me and be like, Hey, we can ro watch Rocky for a day or two, or you can sleep at our fire station or, um, you know, we're going to get you a, a hotel here. We want to take you out to dinner. We'll get a, a whole bunch of the bros, you know, firefighters together. And so it was all because of these amazing, the, the wildland firefighting community helping me with Rocky for one, two, you know, in Florida, seven days in Texas, a, you know, almost a week. It was because they helped me with Rocky that I was able to do such big days. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, towing, towing that much on oh, a yeah. bike, not including like ju just Rocky alone and the trailer, not including all your gear, your camping stuff, all of your equipment that you need to like continue this ride. Right. That's a pretty significant amount of weight, man, on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. And going, well, part of it was we wanted to get the first day, uh, we wanted a picture with the San, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. That wasn't on, I had to go backwards. You had to backtrack to get that photo. <laughs> to get that photo and then go back up the hill. And it, yeah. Well, I don't recommend anyone towing a dog across the country, but if you do, you'll become very strong. <laughs> <laughs> pretty quick too. Pretty freaking quick. Yeah. Oh, I lost, shit. gosh, I must have, I think I lost almost 20 pounds during the whole trip, which I didn't have weight to really lose. Yeah. yeah it was mostly probably just muscle. Um, yeah. The whole trip I was like down to 150. I haven't weighed that much in ever. Since like you're in high school or something. Right. Probably. Yeah. I usually Damn, stay around dude. 165, 170. So yeah, if you want to lose some quick weight and you want to gain a <laughs> lot of fucking muscle, just tow around a dog, a trailer and all your backpacking gear and food and water. And yeah, you can do it pretty quickly. Just find some big hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either way, man, it's what you, what you accomplished is incredible. Not only that your mental health journey. I mean, like, like I said earlier, dude, like the amount of change that I've seen in you as a person over the very short time that I've known you from like, when we first spoke in New Mexico mm -hmm. to those like on the New Mexico, Texas border right. to Pensacola. And then to this episode right here where we're sitting under the wildland firefighter foundation roof here talking about all this stuff, man, the, the incredible journey that I've seen you as a human go through. It's, it's wild. It's inspiring, dude. It I genuinely it. is, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, 
It's just amazing if we put our time and energy and we believe in ourselves, the things that we can accomplish and knowing that you can come from such a dark place and, and you can get back to that happy place you once remembered. Um, I think one of the hardest things about being depressed and, and going through really hard mental illness um, or whatever the struggle is, is that we get so stuck in it. And every day that you're depressed or you're going through these feelings, that starts to become all you remember. It's kind of like your identity that you cling to. Almost. Yeah. And you're like yeah. stuck. And that was what happened to me. I'd have these debilitating panic attacks and they would just, I couldn't move. I was, I had trouble even taking a shower because I felt trapped in the shower. I hated driving in tunnels. Sometimes I couldn't like swallow and I would try to drink water just to, so I could swallow. And it was just so weird. And I'd write letters to my dad and to my brother, like I was going to die that day. And that just became every day. It was like, when's it going to happen? Is it going to happen in the morning and the afternoon? And I think something that started to help me was like, well, I haven't felt like this my whole life. And I started to focus on happy memories and then making some more. Um, and it was just important for me to fight and know that, well, I wasn't always like this and I, I can get better. Um, I need to stop focusing on that and start focusing on a, a brighter today and a brighter future. So, yeah, no, it was, I mean, that trip saved my life. It was a, a ch you know, a big part of that was the challenge uh, of riding my bike so far every day over so many obstacles and up so many hills and, and the people pushing me along the way and, and giving me extra support and motivation and just being alone out there camping and, and, and fighting through these demons. And, and, uh, I just found so much strength through the pain and I found so much clarity, which, you know, it didn't happen overnight. And now I just feel so free and I, I really just feel calm. I feel a lot, a lot of peace and a lot of calmness, uh, within myself. And I'm just so motivated, uh, to write this book and, and to help others as much as I can and to do more things for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation um, in the future and motivated just to be a good person and, and help people when I can and and just give back to this world and and be compassionate um, and empathetic to, to people and just be the best I can be. And you know, I want to keep building my confidence and, and keep helping others. And uh, I feel like it's um, a passion, a, a, almost like a life calling to, uh, to go out and, and tell my story and, uh, to help others, uh, within, you know, whichever capacity I, I can at, at it at the time. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like the journey doesn't stop here. I mean, if anything, if you're closing one chapter of your life, you're just starting another one. Right. And mm -hmm. like you just said, man, you're going to do your book. You want to try and get on the, uh, motivational speaking thing, uh, that, that, that train, um, and I know people that are interested. I know there's a lot of people out there that want to have you speak at their fundraising events or the Academy or something like that, man. I know there's people out there that are looking to get you in the game. Yeah, that would be it. Anyone that wants me, you can have me. <laughs> yeah, it'd be an honor to, to speak to, uh, any type of crowd firefighting or, or kids or, or whoever it may be. Um, uh, I definitely put my, uh, my best foot into it uh, 110%. And, uh, I, I think I have a story that, that definitely can, can change lives. And I, I know that because the many people that have pulled me aside and said, your story changed my life. And the few people that said it saved my life and 
the random strangers that would say, I saw you on the news last night and I can't believe what you're doing. It's so important for Americans to hear this story. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's inspiring, dude. I mean, look at all the people that we were talking to or you were talking to at uh, at the, at the uh, fundraiser, man, on Saturday night. Right. That was, gosh, what a night. That was a great turnout. We made a bunch of money. And yeah, it's, it's just like we talked about. You never know the impact you have on people um, or what they're going through. You know, had some badass people come up to me that, you know, some badass firefighters telling me what they're going through. And uh, you just never know. Oh, yeah. You never know what people are going through. So that meant the world to me. Thanks for everyone that came out to pay it the other night. You guys are fucking women and, and men. You guys are fucking awesome. Very grateful for uh, everyone that came out and, and donated and, and just uh, was a part of that night. Very oh, yeah. special. Did Burke tell you the uh, total for your entire campaign? Yeah, uh, uh, right around 15000 It's pretty incredible, dude. Yeah, fifteen grand, dude. That's from all of it, dude. And that's that's an incredible journey right there. And you did fifteen grand worth of fundraising. You told an epic story and you inspired everybody to not be in that box of, you know, not talking about mental health and not talking about their struggles. It's opening up the door for communication. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like the peer support, the therapy, all that stuff. Just handling your fucking business, man. I think that's a wildly important story. You lived it, you told it, and you're going to continue to keep doing it, man. I love that shit about you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. This is just uh, the beginning and it's, it's very important to me to continue down this, uh, this road. I just have such a, a passion for, you know, it was a new passion. <laughs> I didn't think I was ever going to be speaking out about mental illness or health. And, and Brandon was one of the, the people that, uh, inspired me early on, um, that that was, you know, part of my mission. I, I didn't know the effect that I could have by telling that story and, and Brandon helped push me down that road. And it was amazing talking on the news and in newspapers and on social media about what I went through, what I was going through and how I was overcoming it. And I think it's a story that can give people hope and, and inspire them to, to get out, to talk and, and have some courage to not be alone and, and maybe just inspire someone else to help someone else. Um, and my, my door is always open and I, I just have a passion for helping others. And I've been doing that for the last, uh, I'd say about the last 10 years. Um, every year I want to do something selfless for myself and, and I try to do something self, uh, I'm sorry, selfless for others and then do something selfish for myself. So I've done a lot of homeless work and helped out on, at hurricanes and, and try to help others as much as I can. And I want to continue down that path and, I think the Wildland Firefighter Foundation is going to be uh, at the top of my list for, for many years to come. Oh yeah, man. And like, like you're saying, man, the fundraising thing, this isn't the only thing you're going to be doing. I mean, you're already planning your next trip. I don't know if you want to talk about that <laughs> yet, but oh, we got a, a few ideas. <laughs> oh yeah, man. The yeah. one you're telling me about. That was pretty Which one was I telling you about? The, the North Star, North South one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see the, the, the dangerous thing is if I talk about it, you're going to just do it. Then I'm fucking locked into it. Yeah. But no, it's going to be a badass trip. I will do this. Um, it's not going to be this First year. You need to recover though. Yeah. I want you to save, I need to save some money up. <laughs> There's that too. I spent a lot of money on this trip, um, but it saved my life there. It was a priceless, uh, yeah. priceless fucking You can't trip. put a value on that, dude. No way. That, no way. I guarantee you that you're not the only firefighter out there who's 
you know, endured something similar, but I think that you having the courage to come on here and tell your story and inspire other people's uh, other people to tell their story as well. You're not the only, I know you're not the only person has had to deal with the past that you've dealt with. Of course. I mean, letting people know that it's all right. That's another thing you cannot put value on not only your own healing, but inspiring other people to do the same exact thing. Right. That's yeah. fucking huge, man. You cannot place a value on that. And I cannot begin to say thank you enough. And I cannot begin to show my gratitude to you for telling your story and doing what you did. I appreciate it's that. Fucking brother. awesome, dude. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I'm stoked. I, I get stoked when I get a like a, a message on Instagram. It's like, I heard about your bike ride and it wasn't much, but I re- went out and I rode my bike 30 miles today and it felt great. And, Perfect. And then mission the, accomplished, dude. The, the, I get these anywhere from something small like that to these big messages and, oh, it just fires me back up, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause the trip happened. So, uh, it will always, always be there, um, for people to look at and, and understand that you can go from a very dark place and, and you can have your victories. Um, you have to believe and you have to start figuring out how to build your confidence and motivation back. And you have to be positive and you have to start somewhere building, building those layers. You got to have a foundation. Um, and then you got to start building your house back up. You got to start climbing that mountain and positivity is just a huge fucking thing. Oh yeah. You know, when we're positive in in day-to-day life and it just starts with small things because most things we get mad about, we can't fucking change. Okay. It's like spilt milk. The oldest saying in the book, you know, like you spill the milk, just clean it up. There's nothing you can fucking Move do. Move on. And don't complain. Don't fucking complain. Just do it. Just fucking do shit. So many people get caught up complaining and negativity. And I don't want to be around that Because it's the easy way. Right. It's easy. Right. It's a lot easier to like criticize and bitch about things than it is to get the fuck up and do something about it. Right. 100% dude. And that's what we need to do. We need to just do shit. You need to just do it. You need to, no one's going to come in and shake you and say, Hey, Kevin, it's kind of time to go ride your bike. 3,500 miles. You're not feeling well. No one did that. Yeah. I picked myself up. I found a therapist. I grabbed my bike. I did all this. Um, and I got tremendous help along the way. I'm not saying I did it all on my own, but it takes you, you got to get off that fucking couch and you got to start mustering up some positivity and a good attitude. And you have to push yourself. And you can ask for someone's help. Brandon, hey, hold me accountable. You know, I, I need someone that's going to call and check up on me, you know, for the next couple of weeks. I'm going through a hard time and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start running every morning. I'm going to start running every day after work. Start with small steps and you'll start feeling better. And uh, I mean, physical exercise is just a great way to do it. Getting out in nature, going for a hike because you start, you clear your head and then you feel better about yourself because you're making yourself a stronger person. Yeah. Um, and mental strength takes time, but having a good attitude and, it's and laying a foundation, positivity. Man. It's like building a house, dude. You got to lay the foundation and you got to put that exactly. shit in one brick at a time, one beam at a time, one screw at a time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You want to build right, man. You got to build it yourself, right? That's right. That's right. Now yeah. I don't know shit about electricians. <laughs> so I guess you can compare that to the mental health thing, right? So I'm going to contract out my electrician. That might be my therapist. Well, there you go. <laughs> I guess an analogy right. there, but mm-hmm. That shit does happen. Yeah. You, know, you, you will need help along the way and you need somebody to hold you accountable and also someone that will, I guess, know the things that you don't know or give you the tools to put in your toolbox and maybe teach you some shit along the way. Yep. 
Yep. Same analogy for your mental health, for your sure. physical health, your emotional, spiritual, whatever you as a person, right? Mm-hmm. You got to build that temple, man, but it's one brick at a time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What a trip. What a trip. What an honor to uh, be able to spread my, uh, share my story on the Anchor Point podcast. Um, it's an honor having you, dude. And it was, gosh, raising money and being in this room. Uh, it's just an emotional, powerful place to, to tell this story. And I'm just so proud. We, uh, I had three goals along my trip. I wanted to raise awareness for mental health issues. Nailed it. Which I, yeah, I believe I did that. And then I wanted to raise money and, uh, just talk about the foundation to people that didn't know about it. And we did that. And then my last one was to, you know, find clarity and find peace and calm down and not drink so much and not run away from my issues and to uh, fight them um, in a healthy way and to talk about them and, uh, and, and just get rid of that guilt and frustration I had. Um, A lot of things with my ex-girlfriend when I was on Lexapro and I was allergic to Lexapro um, which was really scary. Um, so Lexapro being allergic to it's part of what put me in such a dark place, but, uh, you know, I went through a lot of guilt, um, just with how our relationship ended and and frustration. And, you know, I would, I wish I had a, another chance. Um, but I was able to move on from that and uh, to find, you know, I said all my apologies sincerely, um, you know, try to make amends to, to people that I, wasn't very friendly to, uh, when I was going through my hard times, I was, uh, not very fun to be around for a few months and I lost some friends down that path and I had to find some peace and I had to forgive myself through that guilt. Um, and you know, I found clarity and I fought through my depression and I picked myself up and I'm happy today and I'm, I'm focused on today. I want to be happy today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but I've built up tools that I know whatever happens tomorrow, I'm a stronger person from what I came through and where I've been. I'm a stronger person that I can fight through whatever fucking happens tomorrow. I'm going to fight it. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to drink myself to oblivion. I'm not going to turn off the lights and sit down there in the darkness. I'm going to turn all my lights on. I'm going to use all my tools. I'm going to get outside. I'm going to fight and tackle whatever it is. And I'm going to have a positive attitude and I know I can overcome anything. When you go from wanting to kill yourself to ride your bike across the country and you fight your demons, now you are so strong and mentally I found so much stability that I know I can pick myself up again. If I ever get there, I know I have have the power within myself to do that. And I hope I don't go to such a dark place ever again. So now I want to focus on helping others that might be in that place or close to that place. I think you're going to do it and you're going to do it very well. I mean, you already did. Let's be honest with ourselves, man. Your story is inspiring people. We saw it firsthand, but I think the big goal here is to keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep telling your story and keep it going. Yeah. And and that's what the book's about, Brandon. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that shit, dude. Make it happen, dude. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. So yeah, that's going to be, uh, who knows when that will be published. Um, I'm putting my heart and soul into it. So my goal is to write, uh, one page typed up, which is like two or three in, in book pages, but just put my heart into soul, uh, my heart and soul into it, like one page a day. And at, at that pace, you know, in, in a month or so, I'll have the book done 
yeah. um, to a point where it needs to be edited. And yeah, hopefully get a book deal and be going on a book tour and <laughs> travel all around the country. And, you know, Barnes and Noble, here we come. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a best-selling book. So you got to manifest this shit. You got right? to, you got to manifest it, and man. So it'll never happen. <laughs> we, we can listen to this in years to come. And, and I'm going to say, I'm going to write a best-selling book about this journey and mental health. And it will be at bookstores soon. But that's going to happen. And now it's on recorded. So we can laugh. You're committed now. now. <laughs> when we're throwing a fundraiser in a couple of years down at Payette again, talking about my book and raising money for the foundation again, we can laugh thinking, remember when you fucking said that when we were at the foundation? <laughs> remember when you said that? Oh man. It's, it's funny that you say that because that whole manifesting thing is like, how do you think anchor point came about? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. dude. I mean, it's yeah. You manifest that shit. Right. And this whole thing came out of a conversation in uh, Sacramento at the lion's gate at a, uh, at an academy down there. Really? Yeah. Oh, no way. But yeah, man, once you put it out there in the world, dude, if you're in it for the right causes, it's going to happen. It's just totally. putting the right energy totally. out there. But it's amazing how you put energy out, you put love out and it, and it flows back in. But manifesting is like freaking crazy. Oh, yeah, dude, Thomas Worm always talks about that shit. And same with Melissa, man, over there at a wildland fire, wildland fire medicine circle. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's just, it's true. Oh yeah. 100%, it happened dude. on my bike trip. It happened all the time. Cause I would like, I wouldn't reach out for help. I'd be like, all right, I got Rocky for the next, who knows how many, 500 miles. And then out of the blue, you know, someone would call me from, or get my phone number or something from three hours away and say, I can watch Rocky for two days. Yeah. Just that morning. I'm like, all right, great. You want to meet me here? And I would, it's like, I manifested. I was like, I know someone's going to, someone's going to help dude. me. Someone's going to yeah. help me. And someone uh, always did when I, when I really needed it. Um, but yeah, no, I feel really good uh, right now. Um, you know, breakups are hard, but uh, when, I, everybody. when I did get back to Salt Lake uh, City, I saw my, my ex-girlfriend uh, for a couple hours. And uh, I think we, uh, well, I, we did kiss and, I think that was kind of just a goodbye. Yeah. So now I have some closure to that. And, uh, that closure thing's important. There's, there's nothing worse than not having closure to something so important, man. So, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just sucks that she saw me through such a terrible time, um, in my life. And I wish she got to see where I'm at now, but people change, man. People yeah. change. Yeah. yeah. So it's all good. I'm happy. I'm healthy. And, uh, I'm just excited for every day I get on this planet and God bless America. What a beautiful fucking country. And, uh, again, I encourage people to donate to the wildland firefighter foundation. Um, if you're not familiar, go to their website, check them out. Um, stop by here in Boise. If you have a chance to pay your specs and, uh, make a donation, uh, no donations too small or too big. Pick up a pair of boots, JK up, boots. There you go. Pick oh, up yeah. a pair of boots. Um, it's amazing things that they do up here and, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful building to walk into and moving, very moving. I, I made an effort to walk around and, and look at every picture and read as many names as, as I could. And it, it definitely brings you to tears just seeing so many young faces and, and so many people that lost their lives and, and people, you know, too. line of duty and Brandon's known some people yeah. on this wall. So that hits home for him. And it's sad. Um, you know, American heroes all over this wall that have fought to, you know, save lands and, and fought by their brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, 
they died with purpose. You know, it's just sad, sad seeing so many faces on these walls. And that's why this foundation is so damn important, man. If these walls could talk, well, they do talk, but yeah, it, it's just a profound experience to be in here. And it's, it's really hard to put into words and to have something as monumental as you did that, that you, you have done, you know, with the fundraising, the bike ride all for this place. It means a lot, man. It does. It means a lot to me. I mean, I know some of these people, some mm -hmm. of them have been my mentors, some of them have been my friends. And, uh, for you to embark on a journey like that and to honor these folks and also mm -hmm. raise money to keep the foundation going, it means a lot to me, man. It I does. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. They're all smiling down on us from heaven and I bet some of them are having some, some good laughs up there, hopefully. Oh yeah. Talking about their war stories. A lot of stories on this wall, but it was just an, it was a complete humbling experience and, and just an honor to ride for the foundation. Um, and it gave me so much strength because I had this, this greater purpose that I was riding for. Um, and it was just a humbling experience to raise money for them and, and to talk about that on, you know, even a national level. And, uh, yeah, I just, there's a lot more to come with me helping out this foundation. That's for sure. That's for sure. Fucking A. Well, with that being said, I know you got to get on the road here pretty quick. What is it, like four o'clock here and you got to drive that you got to make back to Salt Lake tonight? Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. You yeah. just, you could ride your bike there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could easily ride my bike. Hold there. my beer, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, man, uh, once again, thank you for being on the show and coming and taking some time to be here and throwing a hell of a fundraiser. That was fucking awesome. Oh yeah. Had a great time up here. But with that, you know how this uh, end of the show goes. Let's give a shout out to homies, heroes, mentors. Who do you got for us, man? Yeah, that's uh, got it. I mean, huge shout out to the to you, Brandon Anchor Point Podcast. Um, all the firefighters. It'd be too many to to name all the all the firefighters that helped me along the way. You guys know who you are, and I made a point my uh, last day to uh, send a quick text to. You know, you know, 40 special people to help me along the way and say, Hey, I got 27 miles to go. It's my last day. I just want to let you know that you were a huge part of this and thank you. Um, so the firefighting community was amazing. Uh, the foundation, true heroes, true heroes. Um, thanks for this platform for letting me tell my story and I hope that it reaches people and I hope people fight for positivity, fight for a, a better culture within the firefighting community and, and we all want to be strong and we all want to be tough, but sometimes it's okay to, to, to be weak and to break down and, and, and talk about the struggles you're going through. And we need to pick each other up and we need to have a more open culture where it's okay to talk about things that are affecting us um, mentally. Um, I still expect you to do a hundred pushups and not complain about digging line all day, <laughs> but uh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I do expect that. Um, so, I mean, my heroes, my, my parents, just great parents that raised me uh, to be the man that, that I've become, but it took a lot of triumph. It took a lot of tribulations and a lot of suffering to get to where I sit today. Um, and I'm 34 years old. So it's very important. Never give up. Never fucking give up. No matter what you go through, someone's going through something harder and you can push through. 
You can push through. There's a brighter side. Climb up that fucking mountain. If you need to sit in that valley, that low point for a while before you're able to climb up again, then sit there. Feel those feelings, process them, go through them, and, and hopefully soberly, uh, not on drugs or alcohol or, or masking all those feelings, and fight. Just fucking fight. Never give up that fight in you. You can do anything you put your mind to, and and you're not alone. People have gone through through these struggles, and um, just I, I love this fucking country, and uh, never give up. You're not alone. Never give up. That's my biggest message is don't give up and stay positive and be kind and, and be nice to the world. Be nice to people and smile. It's a beautiful fucking life we get to live. Have fun. Do crazy shit. All right. We got one life to live. So just give it your all. You got one crack at this thing, one crack at this life. So make the most of it and make sure that you get back to others. And you take time to spoil the shit out of yourself. Hug your mom. Be nice to your fucking wife and, and raise good children and have a positive attitude. You can do anything. Just keep fighting. A good friend of mine, Ben Strawn, once said on the podcast, I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember it word for word, but he said that the low points in your life are one of the most beautiful places because the only place that you could look is up. So right. if you're in that valley and you're on the valley right before Everest, all you can see is that peak mm -hmm. and that's the only direction you can go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think about that, uh, the Valley and peaks thing so often. And what I would tell myself is I am the fucking mountain. So when I was riding through hill country and, and through Louisiana, I was like, I'm a fucking mountain. These are just hills. Oh yeah. I am the wind, but yeah, God bless America. And, uh, definitely, uh, Check out the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and make a donation. Join the 52 Club and, and spread the word. And always look out for your your brothers and sisters out there um, on the fire line or, or just in life. Uh, don't be afraid to, to ask your friend how they really are doing. You know, be real. Be real and stay positive. Oh, yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We'll catch you on the next journey. All right. Thanks a lot, Brandon. I really appreciate it. God bless America. <laughs> Later, guys. And boom, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good friend, Kevin Conley. Dude, Kev, your story is one hell of a story, and I cannot believe the complete 180 turnaround you've made as a human being from the time we first sat down and recorded all the way till now. You're a completely different man, and I hope that your story inspires others. It is priceless, man. You can't put a value on that. And I'm uh, really looking forward to your book. And thank you for uh, reading us a little bit of a prologue out of your up and coming book. Uh, yeah. So if anybody wants to uh, look for that, go over and check out his Instagram page, Backcountry Ninjas. I'm sure he's going to have a bunch of stuff coming down the line. And I am super stoked for you, man. And I hope that your story keeps on inspiring many, many people to come. And like I said earlier, man, it's, uh, it's not just the fire folk out there. It's, uh, everybody. I mean, even Joe public LEOs, military structure fire, everybody can learn something from your journey. Now that you've get fed a bit of a turd sandwich with the whole allergy to the medication that they prescribed, yeah, you did, but you still took that and made it something that you can conquer. Like you're saying, man, uh, that is the peaks and valleys. And all you have to do to look up from when you're in those valleys is see the very peak of Everest, man. And uh, yeah, I love it. 
Once again, Kev, thanks. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, nice work with the fundraising, man. It's almost 15 grand, dude, for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. That's uh, no small feat, let alone the huge feat that you just decided to wake up, roll out of bed and decide that you're going to ride across the country. It's pretty epic. So as for the rest of you, hope you're doing well. I hope that uh, you're getting your poop in a group and getting your PT on because fire season is right around the corner. And while we have you, well, reach out to your friends, reach out to your crew, do a buddy check, see how they're all doing. Make sure you take care of ourselves or we take care of ourselves and we take care of our homies out there. It doesn't matter if it's the first year annoying kid or hell, even your GS fantastic. Put in the work, show the effort. And like we said on this episode, 99% of the battle is just showing up. We got our sponsors, special shout out to our sponsors. We got Mystery Ranch. Go check out the Backbone series over at www.mysteryranch.com. It's freaking epic. And you got a chance to win one of these $1,000 scholarships via the Backbone series. And while you're at it, go over there and check out the three-way briefcase and the Assault 21 pack because a portion of the proceeds from those pack sales are going right back to the folks in the field. It's freaking awesome. We got Hotshot Brewery, kick-ass coffee for kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So if you want to go find out more or get your hands on some exclusive merch from uh, the Anchor Point podcast, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com. We've got the ass movement. Funny name, serious about stewardship, and it stands for the anti-service shitting movement. If I wasn't so eloquently clear about that earlier, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement to get all of your poo-bearing propaganda needs. And last but not least, we have the Smoky Generation. And uh, yeah, Bethany has a kick-ass organization over there. And once again, it's one of those other opportunities to uh, win a $500 grant in this case uh, via the Smoky Generation nonprofit. And if you happen to be telling the story of Wildland Fire, well, now's your chance. So go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. Bethany, you have an awesome organization, a kick-ass organization. Keep it up. As for the rest of you, y'all know the drill. Stay safe, stay savage. Peace.